we're in the book of Acts, and we've been talking about how the book of Acts is really all about living in victory, no matter what we are facing in life. And a lot of us are facing a lot, aren't we? I got an earful just coming into church, you know, and, and I know what I'm going through, and I know so many of us are going through so many trials, but great grace, as the song was uh, so beautifully, we worshiped with that, that's what we need today, right? But no matter what we're facing, the book of Acts says no matter what we're facing as individuals, as a church, as a country, we can still live in victory through faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is the book for today, isn't it? What we've been going through, it's the book for today. And the title for today, we're going to talk about Gentile Cornelius and the Apostle Peter. But the title for today is When God Calls Us Outside Our Comfort Zones. When God Calls Us Outside Our Comfort Zones, Acts 10, 1 through 23. Have you ever been invited by someone to go somewhere that you weren't comfortable with? (laughs) Think, I think we could all think of lots of things, right? Uh, I know I, about 25 years ago, I was invited to go to India on a mission trip. And it was a, a, just a great trip. I went with Gospel for Asia, and we were training young men. I was only about 35 at the time, but we were training these guys about 20 years old for ministry. And we would, they would bring in pastors and teachers and, and equip these guys to, to do evangelism and to plant churches all over India. Gospels for Asia, if you've never read their book, uh, Revolution and World Missions. It's an awesome book. Great organization. So I want to encourage you on that. But I just, I formed a real bond. There was hundreds of these young men and, uh, we were all really close. I was old compared to them, but I called them my boys. They were my boys. We were really, really close. We had a great time. And sometimes American missionaries would be kind of aloof and wouldn't, you know, really enter in, go eat at their own table, be up on the stage. I just kind of really mingled with these guys and got really, really close to them. It was just an awesome, awesome blessing. I was blessed. They were blessed. Uh, just loved it. And so they invited me to go out witnessing with them on the, out in the villages. And so I, they got in a van and we piled in. We went out witnessing in the villages. Had an awesome time. We all took turns preaching and witnessing. And it was wild. It was just wild, wild, wild. And, uh, and on the way home, we were all so close and bonded. They said, let's stop and get something to eat, you know. Well, we were warned, you know, be careful where you eat and what you drink, you know, because we aren't used to the, you know, the bacterias, right? But we are so close that I didn't want to, yeah, I wanted to, you know, not be like, you know, I ate whatever was along the road. We ate it. I ate it. It was great. It tasted awesome. And But that was, wasn't probably the problem. The problem was they what we drank. And I'll never forget, it was a, a bottle of orange Fanta. Orange Fanta. And it's no problem drinking it here, but who knows how many times it's been rebottled there, right? And what they, you know, what, you know, so, but I was with the guys, and we were all close and bonded, and I drank the Orange Fanta, you know, and the next morning, I woke up, but I didn't think I was going to get out of bed. It was horrible. The room was just spinning, 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 and it was crazy. I was, the only way, I, the only reason I even got up was so I could what they call vomiting, vomiting, all right? So uh, it was bad, bad. I remember just like, God, I need your mercy and grace because that morning was my last, that day was the last day I was going to be in India. We're going to leave after that. That was a whole other story. But I'm getting home like this. But, but I had promised my boys that I would hike to the top of Prayer Mountain with them. There's a, there's a mountain there at the site where, the, where the, the boot camp, it's really a seminary, but the boot camp, I said, I'm going to hike it with you. And they said, oh, that'd be great. Please, it'd be so awesome. 
awesome. So I, I, I knew I had to hike, but I'm like, God, I just, I don't think I can do it. I just kept praying for God's great grace, God mercy and grace. I remember just saying mercy and grace, mercy and grace. And finally, I was able to get out of bed for a reason other than vomiting, and uh, and uh, that's what they call it there, vomit. All right, so I got out of bed and and I got on the phone and I said, "Come and get me." I called the boot camp and said, "Come and get me." So they sent a van to come pick me up, and and uh, I got, I somehow got into the van and we start driving, and I knew I made a mistake. Because if you've, anybody ever been in India before, driving, think of Indiana Jones racing the, his, his truck, trying to, you know, knock the Nazis into the ditch, you know. That's what it was like driving in India. I totally forgotten. It was like a roller coaster ride. You know, the wild mouse, you know, with zoom, zoom, you're dodging cows and carts and motorcycles and people. And, and they hit people all the time. It's crazy. They, they actually just go out and give them money if they hit them. It's crazy. You know, it's, it's just, it's hard to believe how, what the driving was like. This was 25 years ago. I'm sure it's all different now. But anyway, uh, it was crazy. And I was like, God, help me, help me. Help me. I, the only reason I didn't vomit is there was nothing left to vomit, you know? It was crazy. I was, I was so sick. And I'll never forget, he finally pulls in after this roller coaster wild mouse ride and pulls into the boot camp. And the boys were all waiting, all excited. They heard I was coming. I was really close, like a whole big group of them, really close with them. They were all waiting for me. And I get out, and I get out, I staggered out. I was white as a sheet. And they go, You've been vomiting, right? I go, yeah, lots of vomiting. That's right, lots of vomiting. Uh, and so, so they said, you ready for the hike? And I'm like, God help me. Like, okay, let's go. We start hiking up this mountain. And they knew I wasn't feeling well. They knew I was going to fall over. They, so they had, they had both arms and they were helping me. They were all grabbing me, kind of carrying me up the mountain, you know, hiking me up the mountain. And I remember thinking, halfway up, I remember thinking, it isn't that bad. I, I think I can do it. God help me get to the top, but I think I can do it. And, and they said, this, we're so excited that you're with us because no American missionary has ever Walk, hike the mountain with us before. I go, oh, what a bunch of wimpy Americans. I, remember, you know, I go, why not? This isn't that bad. I'm even sick and I'm doing it. Because of the vipers. <laughs> I go, what? Yeah, it's really called Viper Mountain, but we changed the name to, to Prayer Mountain to, to, you know, to offset the evil. I'm like, what? <laughs> now, now I do. I feel like I'm going to die. I'm really going to die now. And as I'm looking under every rock, I'm watching close, waiting to hear it hissing, you know, the whole way up. We, but we didn't see any vipers. It was crazy. We get up to the top, and it was just amazing. The view over the, this valley was amazing. And we had this awesome prayer time. It was just really moving. Just one of those really moving times of prayer, Holy Spirit all over it. And, 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 and it was just, it was all worth it. I remember thinking, that was worth it. It was worth being sick. It was worth the orange Fanta, which I've never drank again. It was worth, uh, it was worth everything to get up here. Uh, you know, it was worth it. And so often that's what happens with us. God leads us to go somewhere with some, to go with someone somewhere outside of our comfort zone, right? And when we get there, we don't want to go. We're kicking and screaming, right? We finally get there, and then the Holy Spirit moves in and through us in such a special, amazing way. You know what I'm talking about? Isn't that true? And we're going to see that happen with the Apostle Peter today. The Apostle Peter, we're going to see the same type of thing happening with him. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your great grace which we all need today. I know every I know I need it. I know we all need great grace 
today, every day, every hour, every minute, every second, we need your grace, your mercy and grace. Lord, I pray that every one of us would would be filled with your grace today. And if anybody has never put their faith in your grace, that they would take that step of putting their faith in your son Jesus today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's read the passage first of all. Acts 10, 1 through 23. And uh, I'm going to try to read it in my one eye, right? right, right, right here we go. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on a roof to pray. When he became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied, because I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you are looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Wow. Here we go. This is, this is wild. The story starts out with, with the Gentile Cornelius, the Gentile centurion Cornelius, with his introduction, who he is and what he was all about, and then the angelic visit. He gets a, the angel that visits him. And I'm just going to read those first eight verses again and get into that. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what is known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was 
one of his attendants, he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So, this, so we see here that Cornelius lived, by, lived at Caesarea by the sea. Caesarea by the sea, the Mediterranean Sea. Anybody been to Caesarea? I know some on Holy Land trips. All right, some Caesarea uh, visitors. I was there about 35 years ago. I was there. I know I don't look that old. I was just born, but I was 35 years ago. I was there and uh, got some pictures for you. First of all, we couldn't get a vehicle, so I had to make friends with a camel. And then I had to ride the camel all the way to Caesarea. I'm making that up. That was, that was just, just having fun riding. But we did go to Caesarea. And Caesarea is famous for its... Next picture, next picture. Aqueducts. The Roman aqueducts are still there right along the ocean. You can see the ocean, the, the sea, Mediterranean, uh, really, really moving. It's also famous for... Uh, it has a famous statue a famous statue in Caesarea. This, uh, we have Rocky here in Philadelphia. In Caesarea, they have this statue of a famous athlete that uh, is there. Uh, I've heard that the statue has been stolen and has been relocated somewhere in our area. But anyway, uh, I got into lots of trouble when I was there. But anyway, I know I used to be a joker, and now I'm real serious. right? Okay, so anyway, uh, he was God-fearing. He was God-fearing, which means that he wasn't a full convert to the Jewish religion. He wasn't a full convert, but he believed in the one true God, Jehovah. The one true God, Jehovah. And he didn't follow all the Jewish laws. That's what God-fearers mean in the, when you read about that in the, in the Bible. But, but he obeyed the moral, ethical teachings of God's word. That's what he followed. He followed the law, the ethical teachings, like the Ten Commandments. He would follow the Ten Commandments. That's a God fear. He followed the, the, the whole purpose of the law, right? He prayed three o'clock in the afternoon, which was when the devout people prayed. Cornelius was a good guy, right? What a good guy. God fear. He believed in the one true God. He prayed. He gave. He, he did all kinds of good things. You would think he was good with God, right? He's okay, right? But you would be wrong. Because even though he was all those things, he was still lost. He was still going to hell. That's right. Good Cornelius was still going to hell. He still needed to put his faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. All. Even the good, so-called. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We deserve hell. We deserve death. We deserve everything. And yet Jesus has made a way, has made a way if we will put our faith in Jesus Christ, for the, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a gift that anyone can receive by faith, by putting their faith in Jesus' death on the cross for us, his resurrection from the dead for us. We put our faith in him to forgive us and to make us right with God the Father and have a relationship with him now and forever. 
Every one of us has to take that step of faith, which is what even, even the good, good God-fearing Gentile Cornelius, which is why God sends Peter to share the gospel with him. But before he could send Peter to share the gospel with him, he had to work on Peter's heart. He had to prepare Peter. And I want to look at how God prepares Peter to go outside his comfort zone. And I think there's some lessons for us 2,000 years later. There's some lessons for us even now. The first step actually was from last week. It's not in chapter 10. It's the last verse of chapter 9, verse 43. Last week we saw Peter had healed. We saw that Peter had resurrected, uh, he had healed the, the paralytic. Then he raised Dorcas from the dead. We saw that. But then that chapter ends with verse 43 where it says, Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. With a tanner named Simon. He stays with Simon the tanner. It's no accident that the Holy Spirit put him there. It, it's vital for Acts 10. There's no, no accident that the Holy Spirit records this or that the Holy Spirit led him to stay there because it's preparing him for chapter 10. And it's setting the ground for ta- chapter 10. What do tanners do? They're not tanning salons. That's not a tanning salon. All right? That's not what it is. Tanners treat dead animals they take the, the the skins and they treat it in such a way that it can be used for something a blanket clothing saddles you know bridles whatever all kinds of use for, you get with with leather purses leather jackets okay you get the idea right that's what the tanner would do uh and and they were dead animals and animal skins is something i can relate to that's something i grew up with all right, back here's some pictures here. Uh, first of all, with the kids, there's Michael and John with a bunch of dead deer's heads and skins all over the place there. And not only deer, but also bear, right? They helped with the bear skin, right? Remember Mikey and John doing that? And then not only Michael and John, but everybody has to help out with this. Even Laurel had to help shoot the deer for us. That's a toy gun, toy gun. All right. <laughs> She was traumatized by that. Because, like, why'd you do that to her? I go, it's the picture. All right, anyway. The, uh, and so that's how I grew up. In fact, there's a whole group here from my home church. All right, guys, raise your wave, wave, guys. There's a big group. They're visiting Cairn and Lancaster Bible. They're all from my home church. You guys have all seen all this, right? Right? It's where we grew up. Like, you know, lots of dead animals and skins and cow skins and everything everywhere, right? Uh, they're all from my home church where I grew up, right? And, uh, new, well, you guys, Newfane, Lockport, any Barker? Oh, we got a Barker. All right, good. You're from the, the good school. Okay, good. Anyway, uh, that's why I'm from. But anyway, that, that's, that's where I grew up. All right. That's okay for a farm boy, but not for a Jewish person. No, 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 no. That's not okay for Peter. Because the law said, the Jewish law said, if you touched a dead animal or a dead person, you were unclean unclean that's right you were unclean so a tanner was looked down on even though he had to, somebody's got to do it but he was looked down on reviled even despised think think uh think i'll jump around think somebody has lice you know what if you found somebody in your had lice everybody whoo moving away you know uh, uh, that would be like that uh or or remember what was that Bed bugs. Bed bugs. Oh, that's the new thing. Bed bugs, right? Bed bugs. Don't go stay at their house, right? Uh, uh, remember when AIDS first hit, hit and everybody, nobody understood exactly how you caught it and how you could spread it. People were just terrified of AIDS. Now it would be like uh, you know, the unvaccinated. Ooh, 
you know. <laughs> I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. But anyway, I couldn't resist. This was also, also how the Pharisaical Jews viewed Gentiles. They viewed them as unclean. Unclean, right? Which was really crazy because the Jews were called for a specific purpose. They were called to reach the Gentiles. The Jewish nation was called to be old, we call Old Testament missions. Missions didn't start with Jesus. It started with Abraham. They were called to be a light to the Gentiles. In fact, in Exodus 19.5, God says to Moses, he says, Although the whole earth is mine, at the end of verse 5 there, although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's your job, to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. They were called to be holy. Leviticus 19.2. Leviticus 19.2. There it is. Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. That was their call. They were to be different from the Gentiles. They weren't supposed to be involved with idolatry or the immorality that went along with that, right? And they were supposed to attract the Gentiles to the one true God by, by the way that they lived and by the way that they followed God's law that was supposed to attract the Gentiles. But they failed in two ways. First of all, instead of showing people the one true God, they ended up following the false gods. They ended up worshiping the idols and getting involved in the immorality. Remember all the stuff we've talked about with Elijah and Elisha? Crazy stuff they got involved in. It was crazy. And, and the, but yet there were some who didn't get involved in that. Those who stayed separate from the Gentiles and their practices, they became proud and legalistic. Uh, can you imagine? And they, they said, we're not going to go near those people. You know, we're going to stay away from them. And they lost sight of God's purpose. And that was to bring Gentiles to the one true God. Can you believe they, those two things happen? That's hard to even imagine, isn't it? It's the same today, isn't it? It's the same. So many Christians, we're supposed to be showing the world Jesus Christ, but so many Christians are worldly, carnal we used to call it, right? Worldly, conformed to this world instead of being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And as a result, when we do that, we lose our witness. Who's going to pay any attention to us? We're no different from them. What are we going to say, right? Or if we don't do that, a lot of Christians, nobody that we know, become legalistic. And they hate the sin and the sinner. Right? Or at least they come across that way. Hate the sin and the sinner. And they fail to bring folks to Jesus Christ. Because we're either compromised or we're, we're like arrogant. And, you know, we're like too good for them. But we have the same job that the Jews were given. Did you know that? In fact, Peter quotes he uses uh, Exodus 19 to, to quote something in 1 Peter 2.9 when he says, But you are a chosen people, a, holy, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. You see the connection? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That is our job. That is our job. But before Peter wrote this verse, he back in Acts, 
uh, this Peter written much later, but back in Acts, Peter had brought, bought the extreme Jewish religious view to avoid Gentiles at all costs. He had bought that. He, he was brainwashed by that. But God's plan all along, way back in the Old Testament, and, and, and now his plan all along in the Old Testament and in the New Testament with his son Jesus Christ, his plan all along was to reach the Gentiles through his chosen people. Just like now. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, righteousness from God is revealed that is by faith from first to last. As it is written, the, the righteous will live by faith. Saved by faith. They didn't follow the law to get saved in the Old Testament. No, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It was always by faith. Always by faith. From, from Abraham to Jesus to the book of Revelation. It's always been by putting our faith in God's sacrifice. It was the Lamb in the Old Testament that looked forward to Jesus Christ. It was putting our faith in Jesus. And it was always meant the Jews were to lead the Gentiles. First for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. Okay? So God prepares Peter by first, the first step was to have him live with Simon the unclean tanner. Right? Had him live with an unclean guy. The second step was he had to give Peter a vision. In Acts chapter 10, verse uh, 9, look at what happens with the vision here. He gives them a vision. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while, he, while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied, for I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. He gives him a vision three times. Why three times? Emphasis, right? Remember, remember Joseph's dream, two, uh, uh, Pharaoh's dream that Joseph interpreted? Two times for emphasis, he said. This time is even bigger. Three times for emphasis. It's very, very important. He's, he's trying to prepare Peter to reach the unclean Gentiles, okay? And then God immediately sends Peter the third step, the tanner. The vision, and now he has the third step in his preparation, Acts ten seventeen. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's, Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them to you. So Peter went down and said to the man, I am the one you are looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come for Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that they could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. 
And we're going to talk about all that next week. <laughs> talk about easy evangelism. If it could always be this easy, right? But this is the third step. Gentile Cornelius, the centurion, Gentile centurion Cornelius, say that ten times fast, sends soldiers and a, a, a soldier and his servants with an invitation. That's the third step. He, God sends him a clear invitation. He have the tanner, he have the vision, and now he sends him a clear invitation. And Peter, what does he do? He invites them in. This was huge. Wait till we get to Acts 11 and we see how big this really was. This was earth shattering, right? But this was huge. They, the Jews called the Gentiles dogs. Dogs. That's right. They called them dogs. That's how they saw them like. Uh, you would never let a dog in your house unless you're in the USA today. But anyway, that's a whole, whole other thing. That's a whole other sermon. But uh, not only, they, they considered them dogs. Dogs. What let them in? Not, and not only a Gentile, but he's a centurion. What is a centurion? A soldier. A commander of the, the army. And it wasn't the Jewish army. It was the Roman army. They were they were the enemy. They were the, he was the enemy. He was a Gentile. He was the, the enemy soldier. He, it would be like if Russia and China invaded our country and, and, and ran us over. And I know it's hard to imagine that. We're, 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 we're here and, and these soldiers come to the door and want to know about you know, Jesus. You're like, oh, I don't want them in my house. You know? They're, uh, they've done so many mean things to us, right? Uh, and, but that's exact, think about what this is the invading army. This is the enemy soldier. This is who, who's, who's doing this. And, and these three steps prepare Peter to go outside of his comfort zone and share the gospel, which we're going to see next week. Wild story next week. But let's connect the dots to close up here. Let's connect the dots to our lives, USA Today, how God prepares us to go outside of our comfort zone, how he works. Maybe God is calling you calling us to reach out to someone that we're not comfortable with. Sound familiar? Maybe God has put you, us, in close contact with someone that we're not comfortable with. It's pretty widespread in our country right now, isn't it? Nobody likes anybody, right? (laughs) Connect the dots. Maybe God has given you a vision, a leading to go somewhere or to someone, someone, and maybe even God, maybe even someone has been inviting you, inviting you, reaching out, inviting you to be a friend, to be part of their life, but you don't want to go there with them, (laughs) right? Easy to connect just about anybody today, right? And, but your prayer today, our prayer today is, yes, God, I will go Share the gospel. I will go share my life and let them see the gospel. How is God speaking to us? It may be across the street, maybe across the world. It, where is God calling us? And maybe you're here today and you are the Gentile Cornelius. You are the one who needs the gospel. Maybe you're here today or you're listening or watching this somewhere and you are Cornelius. You realize today for the first time maybe that you're not good enough. 
Even though you believe in the one true God, even though you're a good person, you follow the Ten Commandments, uh, maybe you give money, do all kinds of good deeds, but you're realizing today that you're not good enough because good works can't save us. We can never be good enough. First of all, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We can't be good enough. There's only one way to be good enough, and that's the righteousness of Jesus Christ, putting our faith in Jesus His righteousness, the blood that he shed to wash us clean. That is the only way. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. Uh, I'm mixing it. For it is by grace you are saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. We are not saved by works. We are only saved by faith. Does that mean works aren't important? Oh, sure, they're important. Verse 10. I got it there? Uh, we got cut off. All right, I'll just quote it. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We, we, works don't save us. Do, not, do nothing for our salvation. But if we truly put our faith in Jesus Christ, what's going to follow? Works, good works. And that's, what, and that's why we are saved. So we can do good work, so we can reach people with the gospel, so we can show the love of Jesus Christ. That's why we are saved. But they don't save us, Mm -mm. but they better be there. Uh, There's no no change, no Jesus. No Jesus, no change, right? Uh, The work should be there. But we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. And John 3.16 tells us how, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And that word believe in the Greek doesn't mean in the head. It means the heart. It means to put your total trust and to cling to. The picture in the Greek is to cling to. Like of a little baby clinging to his mother and hanging on for dear life. That's the picture of the Greek, that we cling to Jesus Christ. We put our trust in Jesus Christ. We give our life to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us as we go to this time of prayer? Maybe you're a Cornelius. You believe in God. You pray to God. You do good things, but you realize today that you are going to hell. You're completely lost because there's only one way to get right with God. There's only one way to have a new life with God. There's only one way to have eternal life in heaven someday with God and that is putting our faith in Jesus Christ. His son who died for us on that cross who came back from the dead to prove he was the son of God and prove he could give us a brand new life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You may be hearing this and hear or hearing this and believing in Jesus right now, putting your faith in Jesus right now. Your trust in him. The simple prayer of faith. God, I repent of my sin. Everything in my life that keeps me away from you, God, I repent of that. 
I believe Jesus died for me to take the punishment, the consequence, my sin on himself. I believe that. I ask you to forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in your son, Jesus. I give my life to Jesus. If you have prayed that prayer of faith and something amazing has happened to you, as we're going to see next week, the Holy Spirit has come into you, has indwelt you, has, has, you are now born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, and your life will never be the same. You're going to have a brand new life starting this moment, going through all of eternity. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody Maybe you're here with a friend or a family member or you're watching this and you have a, somebody at work or in school you can tell. Tell somebody. Tell me on the way out. Tell somebody so that we can be excited for you and encourage you in your new life in Christ. And for those who are already Christians, so those who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Who is God calling us to or where is he calling us to that we're not comfortable? Could be at school, could be at college, could be at work, could be in the neighborhood, could be anywhere. Where is he calling us? To who, whom is he calling us? How is he preparing us? Maybe he's putting us through the grinder, through a lot of battles and struggles so that we'll understand where they're coming from. Maybe he's put us in some very sketchy situations so that we'll, we'll know, we'll be ready to, to accept our ministry to them. Maybe he's given us a vision to reach someone. Maybe there's an invitation and we've just been rejecting it. Someone's been inviting us. Father, pray that every one of us would be ready ready to show the love of Jesus Christ and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with anyone that you open the door to. We pray that in Jesus' name.